Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and Taylor Raglan. Uh, gentlemen, it is Thursday, so let's pull another entry from our ongoing summer question series as we uh, continue to build towards the 2019-2020 school year. Um, for today's entry, let's um, let's talk a subject that I think is a uh, obviously a very pivotal one every offseason. Always nice to explore this subject, but uh, let's talk some first-year head coaches. You know, this is high school sports, so there's coaching turnover every every single offseason across all manner of sports and um, if it's one thing that we've kind of learned throughout the years on this job is that no two coaching situations are the same especially when you're uh, entering that very first year the circumstances be it within the program or outside the program it's uh, it's there's some different dynamics just all across the board so let's just kind of scour the uh, uh, the you know the landscape some 6a some 5a talk about some of the uh, some of the notable first year head coaching moves um, heading into the school year um, let's start the first half off in 6a um, you know, we uh, I was just trying to, I guess, see what happened within like the Allen Plano coverage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coverage scene uh, for you and I, Taylor, and just it wasn't exactly the most uh, the most vibrant year compared to like last season. We yeah. had like Allen boys basketball fresh off a state championship. That position came open. You had Allen girls soccer go to the regional finals, and then that job came open. And uh, Plano softball made the state semifinals, and then that job came open. So uh, not exactly a you know a, a wealth of a wealth of selections, you know, in that neck of the woods. But you did have um, a couple though back at the tail end of football season mm-hmm. in District 9-6A with uh, with McKinney Boyd and Plano West. Two jobs that uh, it's going to be very fascinating to see the uh, what kind of candidates those two jobs drew. And um, now that we're uh, on the cusp of, uh, of getting ready for football season and you've got Joe McBride who's gone through his you know his first offseason with McKinney Boyd football and then Tyler Sukup with Plano West. Um, let's start with uh, with Sukup um, just because that's a, that is a job that is going to be very much on the radar just mm-hmm. because of the current state of the Plano West football program program as they look to try to right the ship after a two and a half year losing streak. Um, what has been your read on kind of how Sukup has, has fared so far in the program and just the uh, kind of the general read as he prepares for his first season at the helm? I think he's fared as, as well as he could have. I mean you can't really judge somebody based on one spring and one seven on seven season but it does seem like you know every time I talk to him and you know obviously I mean he's gonna he's gonna say that things are going awesome regardless but every time I talk to him it does seem like he genuinely um, has gotten some buy-in from from these kids especially kind of the rising seniors has gotten them to um, view uh, the work that they have to do and, and showing up every day in a little bit of a different light because obviously you know you go for 26 in a row it's it gets tough to show up for work every day you know it's it's not something that's fun to 
to do and, and go get your, be your brains beat in and, and then go back to practice and, and work all week and do it all over again. Mm. So it seems like they've turned the corner as far as maybe work ethic and, and just attitude and, and getting a little bit of a fresh start. Um, okay results in seven on seven. I think one and two in their last SQT, but they were within a, a score in both of lo those losses, mm -hmm. I think, which is a big thing for Sukup. I, I think that's going to be a big thing this fall. I mean, you know, it's a it's a contentious <laughs> job and, and it's a tough job and, and obviously, you know, a lot's gonna fall on his shoulders as far as trying to get that school turned around. But I think there's also more leash than there would normally be because mm -hmm. they're 0 and twenty six. Yeah. Like you can't expect him to come in and be eight the, and two. The like, powers that be are realistic about yeah. where that program is at. So I think, you know, the the standard of success for this fall and the expectation has to just be like how just bottom line how competitive are we you know how how much do we run out and lose by 10 or, or we're, we're within a score or we upset somebody and, and come back and, and make a late like the, as long as you're in some of these games and, and competing and, and pick up a win or two which I think is realistic I think they could you know easily go one and nine, two and eight, three and seven if they sneak up on somebody. I don't think that's out of the question. They win a couple of football games, um, just depending on how things shake out. But I don't even think that's the expectation. I think you just have to you have to put a bar of can we be more competitive? Mm -hmm. Can we actually show up and, and look like we belong on a six A football field? Because that hasn't been the case um, as of late, especially not in the company they keep. Maybe in some parts of the state they compete at the six A level, but not mm -hmm. in nine six A and and you know some of the company they've kept in non district and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think he's on the right track as as far as you know you can tell from the outside looking in with with not a whole lot to go off of. But you know, like I said, it's it's still going to be a, a long a long road back to relevancy, I think. Because it's going to be the same schedule that they played yeah. last season. And it's a schedule that I think at, the, at this time last year, it looked a bit more like, you know, the wins seemed a bit more attainable than yeah. they actually turned out to be. Like, nobody foresaw Reedy being one of the yep. best teams in Class 5A Division 2 at the time. You know, uh, Fire Mound, no one foresaw them being a district champion, and Mesquite being one of the great turnaround yep. stories in Mesquite ISD. So that, that schedule turned out to be way tougher yep. than I think West had envisioned. So that obviously didn't you know, It'll be tough again and that's what I mean like if they go if they could somehow go three and seven holy cow that oh, would wow. be like just throw a party on the west side that's an unbelievable yes, year that would, like yes, that's that's, that's, amazing. That'd be that's amazing. gotta be like the peak of the mountain for this year and it, it's tough to say I mean Sukup's not gonna go out and address his group and say like let's try to go three and seven but you know realistically if we're sitting here in November looking back on a season where they won three football games that is leaps and bounds beyond yes. what anybody can realistically think might happen so who would be their best bet of beating I two or three times? I, I think some some nine six eight teams came back to the pack a little bit. It's going to be a weird district, I mm -hmm. think, around the board. I don't think Point East is going to be very good. Not saying that West is going to be better than East, but those rivalry games, who knows? I mean, crazy things happen. Um, you know, is McKinney for real, or was that just West kind almost of a, got him last year? That's is you know yeah. is is McKinney some uh, a team that was kind of riding the Marcus Shavers train and is mm -hmm. going to come back to earth, or are they really mm -hmm. upward? I mean, there's some teams in that district where I'm not saying West is better than them, but there's opportunities. You know, things can happen. So, I mean, it, it seems like that. I mean, obviously, they're not, you know, going to be, I don't think, anywhere close to competing for a playoff spot, but that doesn't mean they can't sneak up on some people. With McKinney Boyd, which was also vying for a head coach around the same time frame that Plano West was, um, and I was just so fascinated to see who Boyd ended up, you know, going with to replace Don Drake. And you kind of heard from, uh, you know, from our sports editor over in McKinney, Kendrick Johnson, that there were some pretty quality candidates that were, uh, were reaching out to interview for that position. So um, when you hear that, I mean, okay, interesting. I wonder what the uh, where they land on. And sure enough, they're 
able to lure Joe McBride out of the uh, the administrative side of things, out of his chair as Capel athletic uh, athletic director, and back into the coaching ranks. Joe McBride, who had a, a very successful tenure with the uh, with the Cowboys just a uh, just a handful of years ago, he went 51 and 10, won three district championships, and had teams that were routinely ranked top 10 in the state. I mean, Capel used to be. I mean, had it not been for a couple of uh, you know unfortunate breaks against DeSoto, I mean, there were some some of those Capel teams under McBride could have made some serious headway in the uh, in the playoffs. So just when you factor into that kind of pedigree and what he was able to accomplish, you know, um, you know, his last coaching stint in the Metroplex and with the McKinney Boyd program that I just can't shake that. I mean, McKinney Boyd is not that far removed from being one of the most consistent things in in Collin County football as far as like just making yeah. the playoffs. They made the playoffs five straight years not too long ago. Now they haven't been there since you know 2014. So now we're going on you know almost five straight years without a playoff appearance. Um, but it's just one of those where you wonder, like, because, you know, Kendrick alluded to in the podcast that behind the scenes there was a bit of drama within within the Boyd football program last year, and you wonder how much that sort of thing reverberates throughout the program and just how it affects things like your culture, and if maybe that program just simply needs a culture reset, and that'll be enough to get Boyd football looking like it did, you know, not too long ago, if Coach McBride is, in fact, you know, the man to, the man to do that. But, I don't know, just very fascinating to see what to expect out of the Broncos, because I'm not... I'm sure that if we're right now going to power rank these teams, like first off between you, the three of us plus Kendrick, we're probably going to get you know eight different <laughs> assemblages. Just because, mm-hmm. like you said, Taylor, there's a lot of parity now in this district with as much as a lot of these teams lost. So who knows? Maybe this could be a case like a Marcus Shavers, you know, turnaround at McKinney, which I believe it was on this podcast at this time last year. We're talking about first-year head coaches, and oh boy, I don't know what to expect out of Coach Shavers with I mean McKinney losing its entire offense, and nope, turns around makes the playoffs mm-hmm. in his first year, and. Look at that. So, I mean, there is at least precedent to suggest that, you know what, McKinney ISD can make this thing work pretty quickly. So it'll be fascinating to see what Coach, uh, what Coach McBride's able to do in his his first year with uh, with McKinney Boyd. Um, Prosper Baseball. You know, we're talking about these situations like stepping into the job at Plano West versus a situation yeah. like Prosper Baseball where, you know, uh, you know Coach Carpenter hangs it up and uh, sure enough, you know, Scott Holder gets to take over a program that is fresh off a district championship two years removed from a state championship and I mean is just I mean as good a job as you can get right now it's <laughs> the total opposite of a Plano West football or a McKinney Boyd football you yeah. know just they've, they've been a state contender regardless of the classification they've mm-hmm. been at over the past decade whether it's 4A 5A now 6A we saw what they did you know last year in 9-6A made a nice little run once again and how do you fill in the shoes left behind by you know Rick Carpenter almost 40 years of head coaching experience over 100 860 wins well you bring in a guy that holds the same record as he does the only other coach in Scott Holder to win a state title in two different classifications with two different uh, programs uh, he did it at Thorndale in 2A and then he did it uh, earlier this decade in 4A with College Station mm. And of course, Coach Carpenter at Elkins, he did that years and years and years ago. And then of course he did it again with Prosper uh, a few years ago, like you alluded to in 2015. So, you know, it looks like they got the right guy for the job. I mean, it's, he's he's got a a lot on his plate, a lot of high expectations, unlike a West football, McKinney Boyd football and some of these other programs. So we'll see. Um, I mean, makes the playoffs. It's a good year. Uh, make you know win a couple playoff series. Good year. It's not state championship or bust. The, the expectations shouldn't be that high. Obviously, Prosper is capable of that, but not you know undefeated in district play and then running the table in the playoffs isn't you know 
a, uh, a do or die situation for him. But you know, inheriting a program like Prosper, there's a lot of pressure. But he told me, you know, when I when I met him, when we spoke over the phone a few weeks ago mm-hmm. for the first time, he's, there's no pressure. He's just He's just excited, just excited for the opportunity. Do we recall how much Prosper has coming back from last season's district championship team? I try to look up a roster, but I know that Prosper's not exactly the easiest. No, they, that. Coach Carpenter, he was so tight-lipped about stats and just everything. He, just who was on his team, period. <laughs> there, there were times on Game Changer where instead of a roster, it would just be number. Yeah. Maybe a last name. It would be like number 13 Davis, number 34 Putnam, whatever. And it wouldn't, sometimes it would just be number whatever, number 15, number so you're two. You to solve a riddle to find out who their starting first yeah, baseman is. Seriously, I was like, okay, I think that's Connor Williams. Okay, all right. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. They, I mean, they graduated Connor Jackson. They graduated Dalton Davis and uh, Caleb Putnam. Luke Johnson? Is he a senior? Luke Johnson is a yeah. senior. But they graduated a bunch of guys two years ago. They graduated a bunch of guys a year before that, and they just they just relock, reload every time. Yeah, can't remember the last time Prosser had a, just didn't have yeah. talent on his yeah. baseball program. It just seems to be one of those, like you said, that reloads yeah. easier than most. Uh, ditto for Capel. How's that for a transition? Um, you know, Capel with uh, uh, with Kendall Clark stepping down after uh, after their past season, and sure enough, uh, I was like the the cross market yep. coaching uh, coaching carousel because from uh, from Lake Dallas after leading the Falcons to the regional semifinals, Ryan Howard uh, bumps up a class and he takes over at Capel, which you know you got to think on the short list of one of the more desirable jobs that you can have in the Metroplex, given just the the kind of in talent the that the program has churned out. I mean, I would the, say the D one college kids. Yeah. The pros, I mean, geez, Capel's been as consistent as it gets with just some of the talent that they've had. And now Coach uh, Coach Howard gets to try and uh, make it all work, Taylor. Yeah, it was definitely a move of just pure opportunity. I don't think that that Howard came into this year expecting to leave or expecting, I don't even know if he finished the postseason, you know, expecting to really leave. I don't know when the Capel job exactly was posted or became available, but it was definitely one of those moves where he saw the posting and said, you know, I, I don't blame him. You know, this is maybe something that my family and I can leverage into a like, like you said, in the Metroplex. I say in the state. Like Coppell is one of the premier baseball programs and jobs that you can have. But you know, on the other side of that is the expectations, especially for a program that it just can't get over the hump. It makes no sense. Like it, it really does for for a program that's as talented year to year as they are, um, and has had as much success as they've had. They can't go anywhere they can't leverage it into anything i don't even remember the last time you know i looked it up when when howard took the job um the last time you have right here yeah the last time they even made the state tournament was in 1995 yeah. so you you know you're over 20 years removed from the last time they even made a state tournament mm-hmm. you're over what it's they've only the, made yeah, they've only made the fourth the round one, final yeah, two. yeah so one time since 2007 they've made the fourth round so it, it just doesn't compute and i think that that's a lot of the reason that clark was I don't know how that situation necessarily developed, but I don't know if it was a kind of a politely shown the door situation or whatever. But it makes sense because how do you not leverage that program and that talent and that community and and just kind of the history into something, the mm-hmm. fourth round appearance, yeah. just anything? And and I think that's going to be Howard's um, task. And obviously, you know, he he proved that he can get a team there. You know, he did with Lake Dallas, got them to the regional semifinals. Maybe a little bit more talented team, they could have gone even further. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he clearly had something um, going from his side to, to take that team and, and really bring them together and, and have that kind of success, which is, I think, what got him the job at Capel. Um, you know, but at the same time, that's, 
It's, it's not necessarily, I would even say, big shoes to fill. It's just big expectations mm -hmm. regardless of who is running that program. It's just always going to be a heavy weight on whoever's at the helm of that thing until they have some sort of success. And it just even one time could make all the difference in the world. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. But, I mean, you know, good for Coach Howard. It's a, it's a fantastic opportunity, a fantastic program, um, you know, and, and I expect him to do well. But... You know, I, I don't know. Can he be the one to, to kind of lift the curse? I mean, I, I guess we'll see. But, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting ride regardless. He's, he's one of the nicest dudes I've ever, <laughs> ever interviewed also. It was after that uh, playoff loss to Reedy two years ago. You would have thought they just won the state title. He was just so nice, so upbeat. Good dude. Well, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, not necessarily just that he's nice, but I think yeah. that he's, he's definitely a coach that feels like he gets his players – all headed in the yeah. right direction, you know, and, and I think that's what Coppell was was looking for. Is like, well, maybe, you know, it. it I don't want to, you know, put words in, in Coppell's mouth as far as the athletic department and stuff, but you know, sometimes there is that extra benefit of of chemistry and and having a coach that players like to play for. Like talent, clearly cannot do it by itself yeah. and carry you to a, a state tournament year after year. It's clearly not just talent. you got to yeah. have somebody that, yeah. not in that, that, region. that gets everything going in the right direction as well. So maybe Howard's that guy, maybe he's not. But yeah, now we'll when find you're out. staring down the Flyer Mountain, South yeah. Lakes, and Marcus's of the, uh, of the yep. state. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes a, a coaching situation can be different from others just because mm -hmm. there's things, you know, that are a bit beyond your control. And sometimes it just happens to be, you know, you're taking a job in just a really tough freaking district. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you look at a situation like Louisville Volleyball and the hiring of Kara Sumter as their next head coach after Libby Rodriguez went to McKinney North. And, um, and she will try to uh, you know snap a long-standing uh, playoff drought. Louisville has not made the playoffs in volleyball since 1998. Um, but you look at why, and it's just simply put, look at who they share a district with most years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it wasn't, I mean, obviously they're going to be in the same district as Flyer Mountain, Marcus, and Hebron. You know, three great programs in their own right. Um, you know, they're in the same district as Capel but then in years past it's been with the Planos and the and Allen, McKinney Boyd and the like. I mean they just they've played in some really loaded districts and you know you look at what they're up against this year. Um, I just went and just tracked you know went on Max Preps and looked at their head-to-head -head record against their four chief district rivals this season and their um, and their records you know against uh, against Marcus. Since 2007 Louisville is three and 21 hmm. against Flower Mound since 2007 three and 22 versus Capel, 0-15, versus Hebron, 0-25. Wow. So you see, I mean, just right there, that is a that right there is a glass ceiling that just most years, like, it doesn't matter. It just, you can't puncture through that just because of how good those schools are. I mean, you've got, like, District 6XA has, like, they're responsible for six of the past eight state championships in the Wilds' highest classification between Capel, Flower Mound, and Hebron. So when you're up against that, I mean, I'm sure, you know, whatever, you know, internal strides Louisville makes as a program, you know, might not necessarily reflect as much if you're, if you have the bottom line is in fact can you be the one to snap that drought and get the uh, you know get Lucille back to the playoff yeah. just because you're in a district that is already so fortified with some of the absolute best teams in the Metroplex and some years even the state yep. so um, yeah we will see I mean that is a uh, that is a, a, a tall order no doubt yeah. having to take any sort of volleyball job any sort of coaching job in 668 volleyball because same thing with uh, with Kathy Manderson at Plano East yeah. very similar situation I mean it's you know Scott Sandell leaving was a, a, a weird situation <laughs> Uh, we're not exactly sure, 
you know, the, the circumstances surrounding that. Janessa Gaddis took over, um, and then Catherine Anderson hired, you know, to, to take, uh, take over moving forward. But, you know, another situation where you don't exactly envy that job, even though Plano East is a huge program. Yeah. I mean, look at the district that they share. I mean, Prosper, Plano West, uh, Allen even coming up. Uh, those teams aren't going anywhere. McKinney, Boyd, McKinney, I mean, Plano East, you know, I think the expectation has to be that they're in the bottom two somewhere again. You know, next year, and, and I don't think that's anything that that Manderson is going to do to, to affect that or, or to bring that on. It's just a tough, <laughs> a yeah. tough ass to it's take over a program like that. The unfortunate luck of the draw, because yeah, if not if not six six a then nine six a. I mean, the two most loaded yeah. volleyball districts in maybe even the, in the state. Um, so yeah, that is a look at at least some of the uh, of the first year coaching hires um, for a few of our six a programs. Still got some stuff in five a, some stuff that's more familiar in your neck of the woods, Brian. And we can pick that up after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Welcome back. Let's continue to uh, talk some first-year head coaches. So we now look at some of the uh, of the new hires at the 5A level from a handful of our markets. Uh, Brian, you're a little quiet on the last half of the podcast, so let's talk some Frisco ISD. And of course, I mean, let's start with the uh, the original, the original football program, Frisco High, in the uh, in the end of the Vance Gibson era. The wing tee still lives on. Although, I was going to say, is it really the end of the era? I mean, it's it's another... Although 7-on-7 seven seven might have gleaned that, you know, might be mixing it up a little bit more than usual, but nevertheless, they promote was a defensive coordinator. Yes. Jeff Harbert to take over for Coach Gibson. So, uh, yeah, Brian, just talk a little bit about this one and how you see Coach uh, Harbert faring in his first year as they try to get back to the playoffs. He is no stranger to the program. Mm-hmm. He was there the last 14 seasons. It's not like they came in, you know, brought in a guy from Cuphead or somewhere across the state or something like that, you know. Harbert, he knows this program backwards and forwards like the back of his hand. Um, he told me, he reassured me the wing tee is not going to go away. Um, but what you kind of referred to just now in 7-on-7, seven seven, they you know they made state for the first time ever, uh, kind of spreading things out, you know, really good skill position players. We might see them throw the ball a little bit more uh, this year, and, you know, because there's times where they would not even throw the football at all once in, one, in a game. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't expect, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, you know, he inherits, you know, a, a good team that made the playoffs last year, won a playoff game last year. Um, he has to replace the entire offensive line, which won't be easy for a team that likes to do what they do oh, with yeah. that wing T. You know, but like I said, they have the skill guys, they have some of the personnel. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. The I mean, the expectations aren't you know go win the district. It's it's none of that. Um, but you know, hey, squeak back into the playoffs. Good year for Coach Jeff Harbert. How freaked out are those fans going to be the first time that Frisco breaks out like trips right or something the fans, like that? Me? I'm going to be at the star. I'm like, well, what is this? This isn't Frisco or Raccoons? No way. But, uh, These are yeah, imposters. I, I'll, I'm, I'm going to kind of mentally prepare. You know, the, For the first time I cover them this year, I'll, 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 I'll be ready. I'll brace myself for, mm-hmm. for some, some aerial attacks. 
then there was another one over in the uh, in the girls basketball ranks yeah. with Lone Star. I mean, you talk about one of the best programs, period, in Frisco ISD over the last uh, over the last several years with what uh, with what Katie Sint was able to do with the Lady Rangers, and now uh, Todd Monsey taking the reins. So what is uh, yeah? What do you make of just that situation right now? So he's kind of a familiar foe, or used to be. You know, he came from Mansfield Timberview. He was an assistant there, mm-hmm. and we we've known the battles Timberview and Lone Star have had. Uh, in the playoffs, so he's been around that winning culture, that winning tradition. Albeit they haven't won a state title while he was there, but you know he's he's been through the ringer and been on those long uh, pre- playoff runs. But he won a state title um, almost ten years ago with Waco Midway. So he's he knows what it takes. He's been there and done that. And it looks like you know Rayburn and and those guys at Lone Star they've found the guy to kind of take over for Stinton, who's now at Gunner. She's taken on a, a extensive role, uh, assistant AD. Uh, coach and still coaching other sports. I forgot all the sports she's coaching, but mm-hmm. someone told me, I was like, golly, Coach Stan's going to be busy. <laughs> she basically is that athletics she, program yeah, now. She is. She <laughs> is. Uh, they should just rename it to, to Stitton ISD. But yeah, no, um, t- you know, Todd Monty, great dude. He, he's already, he was already getting after it, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as he took over that job. And he's, very optimistic he and he says you know they should be fighting for a district title but despite losing uh four of their five starters including the district mvp adriana quezada you've got programs like you know frisco football frisco lone star that are a bit more on the established side of things and then taylor you got lake dallas volleyball girls bat it was a weird year for lake it dallas on the year. coaching circuit i mean how many uh, how many interviews do you think scott had the, the ad over at lake dallas isd has conducted over the uh, over the past handful of months as you had you know positions come open for the volleyball team and the girls basketball team both after coaches who were there for just one season yeah so uh, yeah a very very unorthodox offseason just around that program but nevertheless they look to try to find a little bit more consistency with Kristen Holbrooks um, taking over for the volleyball program and then Jordan Davis coming over from Marcus out in Flower Mound to be the uh, the new head girls basketball coach both programs kind of in a similar mm-hmm. situation though yeah, it's it's weird those two programs, as you mentioned, just because you know uh, Coach Raymer uh, with the volleyball program and then Coach Madison with the the girls basketball program. This has kind of been a problem with Lake Dallas as of late. They're they're looking for Michael Youngs to put it you know yeah. in a, in a way that that Lake Dallas uh, fans will understand. They're looking for people that want to be around and, and stick around and and have lengthy careers. I mean. You know, even Ryan Howard was there three years and, and kind of established himself and had some success and moved on. Even that's better than, you know, Jason Raymer came in for a year and then wanted to move back, um, you know, with his family. And, and that's certainly his prerogative. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's same thing with, with uh, Coach Madison moving out uh, west to be with, with her family. So it's, it's interesting and it's tough and it puts, like you mentioned, you know, Scott Head in a weird position. But it does feel like, um, you know, both Holbrooks and Davis, you know, you have to imagine that was like question A number one on on their interviews is is You're not leave do, the area. do you plan on being here for a while? Is this something you see you know yourself doing and building and, and wanting to be a part of? And I certainly get that impression. I mean, you know, Coach um, Davis is very familiar with being around programs. Was around Salina for a long time. Um, you know, her alma mater was around Marcus for you know uh, several years, and and seems like she wants to do the same thing with Lake Dallas because it's hard to understand too because Lake Dallas definitely has kind of that big small town allure if that makes sense because mm-hmm. you have a 5a school with 5a athletics but it's a one horse town and and a small community and very tight knit so it seems like a great situation and then people just leave so i don't i don't, I don't know what um you know drives people to do that or if it's just a run of bad luck but 
you know, Holbrooks is, is a similar uh, case, I think. I think she's very excited to, to be a head coach. Um, and, and like you mentioned, both of those programs are really upward trending right oh, now yeah. with, you know, the basketball team brings back, you know, minus senior Ari Hughes, uh, excuse me, who graduated. Um, she started off and on um, in place of Allie Buchanan, who was a freshman. But when Allie was in the lineup, that's a starting five that will be back in its entirety, yeah. you know, for this next season. And the volleyball team is pretty similar. They lose their libero. Um, and Bailey Vila, but you know, other than that, they bring back Setter of the Year and Ruthie Forson, Kaylin Gunn outside, Mace Banks. They they bring back a ton of people. Uh, Candace Collier certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so basically the rosters for both of those programs are pretty unchanged. So, you know, they they made the postseason. They're not exactly state powers, but at the same time, if you're looking for a program to, to take over and kind of get in on the ground floor and and have some success, um, I think both those programs are, are really set up to do that. So. You know, we'll see. You know, you got to feel like Scott Head wants these these coaches to work out and wants these programs to kind of blossom into. Like I said, you know, miniature Michael Young in football. He's been there for a long time and really established something and established a, a winning tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not always going to the state semifinals or anything in football, but they're there every year and they're competitive. And, and I think that's all that, you know, you can really expect. And, and I think that's what... You know, the, my first impression is what they found in these two coaches, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Meanwhile, you had a situation over with Little Elm and the boys' basketball team, which I'm not entirely sure how many coaching situations were more publicized this offseason than, uh, than the Lobos, just because of the uh, the bizarre nature of the sequences that led Controversy, to... Controversy, whatever yeah, you want to call it. It led yeah. to Rusty Segler, you know, stepping down mm-hmm. and whatnot. But between that, between R.J. Hampton going to New Zealand to continue his basketball yeah. career, um, Little Elm boys' basketball was in the headlines quite a bit since the conclusion of their season um, and they have a new head coach Dominique Parker coming from South Garland so um, what is the read as far as uh, you know kind of little I'm now turning a uh, you know penning a new chapter in the uh, in the post Hampton uh, era of their program well you got to think that they're kind of embracing a full rebuild mm-hmm. because when I when I first you know spoke with Parker when he took the job he, you know he really emphasized Little Elm being this one school town you know obviously South Garland is not that uh, but you know Little Elm one school town you know he can get his hands on the middle school kids elementary school elementary school kids he can see these kids kind of blossom so you know you got to think okay because I, I counted eight guys are leaving from that very small roster mm-hmm. from last year, including R.J. Hampton, the biggest name, and then pretty much the entire starting lineup besides Keith Miller. That doesn't sound too promising, you know, for you know a big year in Little on basketball. What they've been accustomed to the last you know three years with R.J. Hampton, you know. But you bring in Dominic Parker. He's been at South Garland for twelve years. It must have took a lot for him to get out of South. He went to South. Came back to South after college mm-hmm. to coach. Was an assistant for about seven years. He was a head coach for the last five. Obviously, coach Tyrese Maxey, coach Chris Harris, you know, one of the best duos ever in the state. Uh, they, they lost in the state championship game. But, you know, he comes here. It, it's not a team that, you know, he could have been inheriting. It could have been R.J. Hampton. It could have been Trey White. It could have been K.J. Pruitt. I like talking about the what could have been <laughs> with this program. There needs to be an ESPN 30 for 30 uh, on the Little Boys basketball program because that would have been, just to think about that, next year you have R.J. You have those three guys oh, yeah. that I just mentioned. Uh, that's a state championship team. No doubt about it. But, you know, now here they have a new head coach, Dominic Parker, and a bunch of incoming JV kids. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it seems to me that it, it's a full rebuild. Uh, but, you know, with a coach like Parker, it seems like they'll be right back on track here here soon with the next couple of years. 
one program that uh, does not exactly believe in the term rebuild is Lovejoy Volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> one of nope. the most formidable programs in the state, regardless of classification, whether they, all the state championships they accrued at the 3A, 4A levels, and now with 5A, I mean, it's death taxes and Lovejoy Volleyball being really freaking good. Um, had a bit of an odd situation, though, within the coaching ranks, though, as far as Jason Nicholson stepping down at the end of the season. And now, I guess, I don't know if the interim tag has been entirely erased from, a, from I guess, former head coach Ryan yeah. Mitchell, who came back to the program as an assistant mm-hmm. last year. Um, but nevertheless, yes, I guess a, a return to the olden days for the, uh, for the Lady Leopards. Yeah, not a lot to say about it. I'm sure the interim tag fell off at some point, mm-hmm. and they just didn't, maybe they didn't make a big production out of it. But he's, I mean, he's going to be the head coach. You don't, he won five state championships in a row with Lovejoy before he left for South Lake Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, came back as an assistant under Jason Nicholson, who won a state championship of his own and went to the state finals twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a, a good run from him. Yes. Uh, it's <laughs> not exactly a Ryan Mitchell run, five in a row, but, you know, it's pretty pretty freaking good. Um, but, yeah, Mitch comes back as, a, as, a, as an assistant last season, and, you know, it, you don't really think about it at the time. That was probably the writing on the wall, and, and then um, – you know, after this uh, state final loss, um, yeah, I mentioned that on the other podcast. Just a really strange situation to lose in the state championship game, um, and then immediately, you know, can your coach basically. Yeah. But you know, like I said, it, it seems like it was a situation that was kind of brewing with Mitchell coming back. He's also, I think, the girls' um, athletic director now, uh, athletic coordinator, whatever they call it mm-hmm. over there. So took on a pretty big role, was an assistant to Nicholson, and, and clearly was, you know grooming himself to, to get back into the into the mix as the head coach and not a lot to say about him taking over I mean they're still going to be really good there's no, there's nothing else to, to really say about Lovejoy Volleyball they returned a bunch of pieces Avery Carlson uh, Cecily Braunschreiber um, plenty more uh, they got tons of talent every single year I wouldn't be surprised to see him you know, win a state title this year. It, I mean, it's, it's that's the expectation every single year. It's not going to change under Mitchell. It's especially, I would say, not going to change under Mitchell, the that's guy that guy literally, literally, literally won five in a row uh, before he left. So, I mean, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he'll be back and, and leading them, and it's going to be the same old, same old, I would say. They're going to share the same district with McKinney North, and I alluded to, you know, in the 6A part that, um, you know, McKinney North now has the former Louisville head volleyball coach, uh, Libby Rodriguez, uh, with their program. And I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. You know, this is a McKinney North program that has only been past the first round one time in their history back in 2013. Um, that's the symptom of, you know, running up against Frisco ISD in the first round lots of years. Um, but it's a situation where that might only be the case for one more season. Now, now you look at the layout in you know in District uh, 105A, you know, with them and Lovejoy, and you would assume, like most sports, that you could just kind of pencil those two into one or two, and as was the case in several uh, you know several instances last year in 105A. Um, so who knows what you know she's able to make happen with her within her first year there. Um, if the if the rumors from away back on McKinney North's enrollment being on the uh, on the upswing are in, uh, are still if that's still on track, and if this is in fact the last year that McKinney North will spend as a uh, as a 5A school. Are we talking a Boyd North swap? Or are we talking North joins them? It would be, yeah, it's at least the way that Kendrick has intimated that, you know, I'm, I've been led to believe that McKinney North could end up joining 6A and that you'd have three 6A mm. schools from McKinney ISD. So how, um, how that would just change the outlook for McKinney North Volleyball. Because as we alluded to earlier on, most likely 
it means you might wind up getting slotted with Plano ISD and yep. Allen <laughs> and potentially prosper until at least, at least until that second high school out in prosper kind of, is finished. It would kind of eliminate the need to go off the map for the Wileys and Jesuits and mm-hmm. those yeah. schools of the world when I mean, you just slot in another McKinney school and, and geographically it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I mean, that would that's uh, a tough draw for sure, especially in volleyball. You go from the Lovejoy district to... Yeah, I mean, because at the very least, yeah, because you're looking at, I mean, like much like, you know, Coach Rodriguez experienced over in uh, over in the Louisville ISD district, like I mentioned earlier, there was that glass ceiling every year with, you know, running up against Hebron and Flyerman and Marcus every year. Um, and now, like, Lovejoy is going to be Lovejoy, but they yep. should be able to handle business elsewhere in that it's district. It's that by district round is what they worry about now. Yeah. But if they assumingly go... If they get the second seed, then that means they'll draw the third place team from the first district, which, to be fair, is probably still going to be really good. Yep. Um, but yeah, it could just be, uh, again, don't know if, it's, if that's still the fact, if North's enrollment is still trending upwards to where they might be in the 6th, threshold for the first time in their history um, for the next realignment cycle, but um, could be a very, very widespread landscape change, um, starting with the volleyball program soon enough. Um, there's also one other uh, one other coaching uh, new coach hire at the private school level that I just wanted to throw out there, just because, again, you talk about programs that are like ripe for, like, okay, you can make something seriously happen mm-hmm. your first year there. John Paul Boys Basketball. The John Paul Boys, John Paul Athletics Programs, period, have all been you know kind of on the upswing in yep. recent years. And the Boys Basketball team has been I mean, they've been on the cusp of winning state before. Um, you know, this is nothing new for them. But they uh, they made a change at head coach, uh, bringing in Dan Lee, coming from uh, I believe Irving Cistercian, um, you know, to take over their head coach. But he gets a team much like the Lake Dallas Girls basketball team that brings back its entire starting lineup from last season, and that's a team that went to the state semifinals in taps. Um, you know, they had a hard luck loss to Prestonwood there in the state semis, but he's got a, a team that just was you know was was state ranked, one of the best private school programs in the Metroplex with the Tot brothers, Jalen and Jawan Tot, uh, Jaron Bradley, Donovan Johnson, the two uh, you know Titan Towers for the football mm-hmm. program out at a uh, receiver and tight end, and then Nathan, Do- Nathan Dominic, a, a kind of a do-it-all you know player who was a newcomer of the year when he played at Plano Senior as a freshman, um, and that's a team that is on the short list of teams that could vie for a state championship next year, so you could get um, some immediate rewards there for Coach Lee in his first year with the, uh, with the Cardinals, and that is, um, yeah, that is a look at some of the uh, of the first year coaching hires within Star Local Media's markets. Obviously, some others that we weren't able to get to and whatnot for uh, for time's sake. But um, yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see how this all how this all shakes out in the months to come. Um, so yeah, that'll wrap up this episode of the podcast. We'll be back on Monday for. Uh, I'm kind of anxious to see where we go with Monday's podcast. Yeah, it's, a, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit of a different one. So be on the on the lookout for that on Monday. Um, in the meantime, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.